Yeah, I think we're ready to go. So, so many, so many, so many damn books. Hello and welcome. My name is Christopher and this is So Many Damn Books, A Blessing, A Curse, A Podcast. I have Kate Beaton joining me in the hyperspace version of the damn library. Kate is the creator of the landmark strip Hark a Vagrant and Step Aside Pops, both of which were several months on the New York Times graphic novel bestseller list, as well as appearing on the best of the year lists from Time, Washington Post, Vulture, NPR Books. You know the, all this already. Uh, <laughs> she's also published the picture books King Baby and the Princess and the Pony, and she is here to discuss Ducks, Two Years in the Oil Sands, her new memoir. And I am so excited to have you on. I really have been reading you for so, so long. Thank you. I, I'm glad to be here. I was, sorry, it's a little early. Okay. Where are you? Where were you? I'm in Brooklyn, so it's not that early, but I just don't usually, I don't usually record these in the morning. I usually record these in the evening. I have children, so I'm, it's... Uh, Your timing has changed. No, I know you don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any kids. I do, which is why I can make this drink that has alcohol in it in the morning. Um, it does have coffee. I'm calling it uh, the duck in an oil sand um, because this is because, well, this whiskey is actually packaged in oil cans, which I think is kind of funny. Um, and it's a rye whiskey with espresso syrup, maple syrup, triple sec and Angostura bitters stirred. And so the duck in the oil field in this case, I guess, is the triple sec. It's the sweetness in the midst of the, the mm. difficulty. I actually could go for one of those right now, <laughs> even though I'm enjoying my coffee. It's basically an old-fashioned riff, um, but it is really lovely. And, you know, the book is really about these contradictions or these this juxtaposition of sweetness and bitterness. And you can taste that in the drink. And I really wish I was pouring this for you while we were hanging out. That was a good description of the drink. And in my mind, I can taste it. I'm just, I'm at my copy. My copy's from Beaton's Delight, which is oh. from <laughs> a, a coffee kiosk here. And they're not related to me. That's, uh, that's the kicker. That's so funny. It just, <laughs> do, but do they know your cape? Like, do they, do they comment on your name oh, every God. time you're in there? No, no, they're, uh, it's a small town and there's a lot of Beaton's around. So, um, uh, <laughs> if you are a Beaton, you can really hide out here. Like if you were a Beaton who did a murder. You can come to my town and blend in with the other beans. <laughs> and and have some delightful coffee, it seems. And have some delightful coffee, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bomba's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. There's a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do, they come in tons of options like comfy performance styles made with sweat wicking yarns, which means your feet stay cool while the rest of you works up a sweat. I have a few pairs of Bombas socks. They are my absolute favorite. Sometimes when the laundry's clean, they're the first thing I pull out because I'm so excited to wear them. And sometimes I'm so excited to wear them that I save them. I want to be wearing my Bombas socks when it's a special occasion. That's the sort of 
socks that Bombas makes, and they make all sorts of stuff. Bombas.com slash SMDB and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash SMDB for 20% off. Bombas.com slash SMDB. Now, on with the show. So, next part of the show is what did you buy? Celebration of naked capitalism uh, yes. and consumerism. What did you buy, Kate? Have you bought anything fa- uh, yeah. fantastic recently? Yeah, well, listen, we're on the book podcast. So, one, I live in a small town and um, uh, I don't get to go to comic shops that much. So when I've, I've been in cities recently because I, because uh, I, I've been on book tour, right? So two of my favorite comic shops are um, The Beguiling in Toronto and Strange Adventures in Halifax. And whenever I go to a comic shop, one of those, especially I come in and I'm like, what do you got for me? Like, what do you, what do you recommend? Which is kind of what you do on this show. Um, but I love doing that in one of those because I know they'll always have something good. So I have, let me see behind me one second here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, have, I, bought, I bought the first couple volumes of this one. It's called The Good Asian. It's, uh, it's a comic by, uh, oh my God, there's like, there's like four names on it. Um, but anyway, it's a noir comic uh, starring like, a, um, like an Asian American protagonist. I know it's got a, like a kind of a weird name if you've never heard of it. The Good Asian sounds kind of weird. But, um, <laughs> but it's like set in like the forties, right? And he's like a detective and like, it's supposed to be very, very good. So I'm excited to read that. I haven't read yet. And hold on one second. I got a bag of, of comics here from Strange Adventures, because that was the last one that I went to. So what else is in here? What else is in here? Like all these comic books. Oh, wow. Yeah, I do. I end up spending like $200 at a go because like, because I'm so excited to be there. So what's this? Sounds oh, expensive to be on tour. I know it is. For me, it is. Uh, oh, my husband got this one, Stephen King, Cycle of the Werewolf, because it's an illustrated book. So that's his purchase. And he also got this Richard Stark Parker book, mm-hmm. also an illustrated one. Uh, I got these. These are supposed to be good. Love Everlasting. That's my son crying in the background. He doesn't read comics yet. He's mad about it. <laughs> and Powerbomb, also supposed to be good. These floppy comics. I'm, re- I'm like, you, your readers can't see what I'm holding up. So they don't know. So do a Powerbomb. That's what it's called. And the art is like really like action packed and really cool. And uh, this is by Daniel Warren Johnson, the doer powerbomb, always never. Mm -hmm. Jordi Lefebvre. This is a a European comic. It just looked very beautiful to me. Oh yeah, that looks great. Yes, it does. Uh, Oh, Supper Club. I heard a lot about this one by Jackie Morrow. I thought it looked really nice. It was on like a list of like uh, best comics of the year. So when I saw that, I picked it up. Oh, they all fell on the floor. Uh, <laughs> Shades of Fear, a horror anthology, also looked pretty cool. So I Ooh. picked that up. And uh, see, so there's so many. Oh, there's more of the Good Age in Volume Two. And uh, oh, the Silver Coin, which I picked up because my friend Chip Zdarsky's involved in it, which is also another horror 
comic because you can see that I like scary books at this time of year for sure. Yeah, I so, love Chip Zdarsky's work for sure. I know he's so good. I'm so excited to read that. So I had this giant bag of comics to show you, even though I don't know if any of that was uh, without the visuals, especially. I don't know if your readers are really into what I just well. <laughs> It's a good as time as any to remind people that they can go to so many damn click on the episode and they can see a list of everything that we talk about all in a row. Oh, Very maybe. easy to click through and see all of these titles for yourself on the website. Those all sound really awesome. And I'm curious what what makes you pick up a comic books that just goes go by the art or or reviews or is yes, there something I... that that's like I need to pick that up for sure when you see it? Yeah, sometimes it's the art. Definitely, you like it's a joy to go into a comic store and look around and be like, "Wow, this looks rad. This looks really cool." And um, and I also like looking at those lists, you know, because it it's intimidating. There's so many comics out there, and I I honestly I've been out of the scene for a long time until I dropped this book. Um, and there's so much. There's just so much. So um, it's kind of like uh, um. I don't know, relying on other people who are who are more tuned when you're looking at those lists, I guess. They're like best of the year. And um uh and, and maybe that's a bit unfair because there's always like amazing comics that are not on those lists. Totally. But, um, uh but they're they're helpful in their way, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, uh you're looking at things that are, are getting buzzed about. And um uh, so that's where I saw the good Asian and that's where I saw supper club. And there's other ones like wash day diaries, which, which was sold out at the time. Mm. Um, and anyway, there, and, um, uh, and there are names that you look for that like, you know, you're a fan of or whatever, or your friends, if you're in comics, you're always like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there are the new, like, I love going in and asking the staff, like, what are you reading? And that's how I picked up, uh, the do a power bomb and uh, some of the other floppies because I, I don't usually pick up floppies. There's like they're they're too intimidating. There's too many of them, and they're very like, you know, they're they're um I never know what's going on in that world. The like the issue by issue world. Right. Uh, they're kind of uh, exciting if somebody is very in tune to those, um and, and they they have something to recommend. Then you're you're kind of like on the cutting edge of what's going on in comics. Yeah, absolutely. Uh. I picked up a couple really fun, exciting things. This one, um, I, I picked up Case Study by Graham McRae Burnett. This is, his last novel was His Bloody Project, but this new one is about a woman investigating her sister's psychotherapist after her sister committed suicide. So mm. trying to figure out what happened there. And I'm really excited about it. It seems like this a sort of um, meeting of the minds or like, a mind because like she's acting like she, um, the sister is acting like she's not related and the psychotherapist I feel like is seeing right through her right away mm -hmm. um, and then I also got Singer Distance by Ethan Chetanier gonna guess that's how you pronounce this name and it's a it's a set in the 60s and it's about um I guess Mars has started communicating with earth through mathematical theorems and no one has been able to solve the last one and until someone does, which seems to change how we think about the distance between things. Mm -hmm. Very, I don't know anything about it except for the former co-host of the show, Drew, um, is absolutely wild for it and has been singing its praises all over online. And well, when, he, when he gets crazy into something, that's usually a sign. 
That's a good sign. Yeah. Uh, no comics, but I... <laughs> we but, don't all have gigantic bags of comics. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have a gigantic bag of comics. Although I do love when I leave a bookstore with a big bag, though. I think that that is... You just have this bag of stories, a bag of possibility. Very exciting. I am just so excited to talk to you about your book, Ducks, Two Years in the Oil Sands. Um, can you tell our listeners what the book's about if they haven't encountered it yet? Yeah, well, I mean, on, on the surface, it's a memoir about uh, two years that I spent in between 2005 and 2008 working in the oil sands of Fort McMurray when I was paying off my student loans. And But it is um, much more than that, of course. Mm -hmm. It is about uh, economic migration. It's about gender. It's about class. It's about the way that we treat one another. It's about uh, living in a liminal space and what that does to people, you know, being re-socialized in an environment that is uh, primarily for labor and operates in a in a sort of a toxic way, um, and uh, and corporations uh, and um, capitalism, hmm. and um, and I I made it because I I lived there. And I worked there, and I left, and um, and it stayed with me, um, because uh, oh fuck, I don't know. Because <laughs> it, yeah, you wrote a book to explain why it stayed with you. I really connected with this uh, on a on on a I guess a labor level because I too, when I got out of college, ended up um, clearing brush and uh, killing weeds along oil refineries in. Uh, uh, Montana and Utah. So I kind so I sort of understood the sort of wildness of being in crazy spaces that you don't usually you wouldn't necessarily people who might look at you and know you as a literary comic person wouldn't necessarily think like, oh, I know what you did right after college. You went and checked out tools in a oil field. It's a liminal sort of situation. Right. I didn't have the harsh weather, which yeah. seemed like an important difficulty that was um, really impressively rendered on the page. And I'd love to know more about your process for, I guess, memory spelunking. You know, when you were going back and going through these things, how did you find your threads? Well, uh, I, I have a very vivid memory of that time because... Um, in contrast to every other um, time in my life, it stands out uh, intensely. It is, uh, you know, it, it's harder for me to recall a specific time when I lived in Toronto or New York or Halifax or wherever, because they they weren't too dissimilar. You know, you live in an apartment and you go to a bar, meet your friends, do do whatever, working in your studio. I don't know. The day-to-day -day are not that different, but um, in, in forming Murray in the camps, it was so vividly different that um, even, even though the days and, and the work days and stuff were, could be very monotonous, like um, uh, events and, and sensations were so 
markedly different from the rest of my life, that the memories are etched very, very well in my mind. But aside from that, I have, um, we have, we have pretty good digital footprints now of our emails and our G chats and our photos and things like that. Um, and so I had those to, to look from, and I had, uh, um, I had friends uh, that, you know, a lot of the people that I worked with, they're on my Facebook. I could talk to them to help reconstruct. It's a lot easier to talk to somebody and and remember with the help of two people than it is with one. Uh, mm -hmm. There's someone, her name is Lindsay. That's her real name. Um, and if I talk to her, you know, like, you remember this guy? Like, do you remember this? And and all of a sudden the, the it, it came into like very clear focus. Um, and um uh it it like that that kind of venn diagram where where two people are remembering and then like the the center is very clear yeah um so uh but it did take a year to write because i i was mining no pun intended every every possible thing that i could to to get to the heart of um everything everything that i could remember and um uh and not just my memories but like i was I was looking through everything from the time that I could find. Mm. And uh, when you get back to like 2005, there's not like, like the internet explodes between 2005 and 2008. There's a lot that you can find in 2008. In 2005, not so much. Um, uh, like I, the people that I've worked with on two, in 2008, they are on my Facebook. Mm -hmm. And in 2005, they're not. Right. Um, because we didn't have it. We didn't have it then. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 39. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so like uh, Facebook came out in like 2005, which is the year I graduated from university, mm -hmm. and um, and so you know the, the like um, the people that I worked with in the first half of the book, they were not like on social media. That that wasn't a thing mm -hmm. uh, at the time. But by the time I left the oil sands in 2008, everybody was on it and everybody was like friending each other. And, um, and the world changed like, like that. And uh, so, so it, it was somehow in, in a sense, like it was much easier to reconstruct the second year than the, than the first year. Although I vividly remember the first year because it was much more, um, uh, if you read the book, uh, traumatic, I suppose. So yeah. So yeah. I uh, uh, like the details don't escape me in the first year because I remember it very well. One thing that I noticed is not as much of a focus is the sort of other world that you're because you started Hark while you were or that was started to pop off while you were yeah. out there. And mm -hmm. but that's not quite that's there isn't much of it's there's not much of you like drawing hark in in this was that a conscious edit um to focus on the non-computer world stuff yeah it's not the story of like the beginnings of that but it, i put it in there because it was a part of my life but um uh i started it in the it says two years in the oil sands so I was there between 2005 and 2006. And then for one year, I went to Victoria, BC. I lived there. 
And then I came back to the USNs for another year and I left in 2008. And in the year that I was in Victoria, that's when I started Heart of Vagrant. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like just before I left. And so it really started getting going when I was in the oil sands the second year. And um, and I would work all day and I would come home to my camp room and I would draw my comic and I would scan it in the morning on the on the work computer and um, and uh, and put it on my live journal. And it gave me something that was just mine in a place where I wasn't really myself. And, and in that sense, it was a, a real saving grace. Um, I never, at the time, I wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, this will be my career. <laughs> I, I was just happy to have something that was for me. And that gave me my sense of self back because in the first year that I was there, I really lost myself in this, in this um, camp environment that was fairly dehumanizing. And um, and I was just so happy to have something where people responded to me as as saw me for me. Mm-hmm. Because in a, in a, in the camps, you are you are often reduced to your job, and uh, and that's what you do. And the other things that make you who you are just disappear. And that was the focus of the book: the the job, the the site, the everything. Um, who I, who I, you know, my, my job is my work as a cartoonist and everything that all came afterwards. It was a sort of a footnote in my time in the actual oil sands. Although I went to my first comic show when I was still working in the oil sands. Really? On one of my my weeks off, it was very disorienting um, because I, I was on my days off and there was a comic show in um, Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew some people from Live Journal, and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna go down there," um, and uh, and I went, I went with them, and I, I met them in person, and they were friends from Live Journal. They're friends that I I still know today. Like Meredith Graham was one of them, hmm. and um, uh, but I was uh, I was completely out of my element. I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know what to do when people came up to me and said, I love your comics. Cause I was too stunned <laughs> <laughs> to talk to them. And, uh, and I wasn't a guest at the show and I wasn't presenting, but people were still sort of like looking for me. Cause I said that I was going to be there to check right. it out. And it, it, uh, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't, um, I, I, I came from this, you know, I lived in a work camp. I lived in a, I lived in the oil sands in a camp, and I, I I don't think I don't think that anyone really knew how to. Well, I didn't know how to deal with it, and, right. and no one knew what I was going through, and and why would they? I know I didn't talk about it. I didn't uh, if I, on Live Journal. I made light of it. I made jokes about it. So um, uh, if I came off as weird to anybody, uh, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Do the comics themselves work as a sort of another sort of memory palace or something for you? Like, oh, I remember when I got into the Gories or something. Yeah, yeah, it helps. Uh, they always do. If I don't, uh, I've always made like little little autobiographical comics, and if I don't draw something right away, I, I I tend to forget it now. Like when I have like 
when I have like like children's comics, like uh, children, but like like something funny that my kid says or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that if I don't if I don't like jot it down, then I'll forget it. But if um, if you mean though, if I look back on like something that I drew, I remember right. it. That's true. That's very true. Like I'll remember being in the coffee shop that I was in when I drew that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they they absolutely work that way. They're like a a rolodex of your life, mm-hmm. and and um, it's funny because you can even remember like the the atmosphere of um, of like the place that you were at when you were like you can remember it being like late night in your apartment when you were, did that thing and you put it up and the way that you felt and. And uh, it, for better or for worse, because there are some things that you're like, I regret making this comic. I don't like it anymore. And uh, and it fills you with, you know, everybody has, not everybody likes everything that they've made for their entire life. Um, and uh, and there and I have to live with the things that I don't like. Um, they're they're online forever, and you're just like, Ugh, and your body like crinkles up in shame. And um, and so you 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 get the good and the bad there. Yeah, I mean. Even even if you try like I did to delete your live journal, that doesn't necessarily mean that no. it's completely gone forever. No, man, people get on that way back machine and they're like, "Well, that's." <laughs> <laughs> my my first encounter with your work was the Great Gatsby comics, and I still <laughs> love those. They they still make me laugh. And uh, but comics, of course, need jokes and they need a structure to for jokes to hang upon but a memoir can be anything you can has you have complete freedom uh, how did that did you miss limitations did um how did the freedom of the page feel it it was tough at first i tried to actually structure the book at first in like uh the way that i did in the comics like each each like section had a little heading like a little title and then my editors were like you can't do this it's weird um it doesn't work it doesn't work this way for that like to give like each page like a a title like you you did in your old comics um and now you you read some of the reviews of the book like on goodreads or whatever um and they're like uh the flow of the book is kind of weird like i wish that there was some separation between (laughs) i'm like see um but um but that's my fault because this is my first time doing this so i you know um but I was like, how are they going to tell like what, when we switch locations or like days? And and they're like, that's for you to do. <laughs> so it was tough uh, uh, because like, you know, a lot of these pla- the, the scenes are like in the same places and the same things are happening. It's very repetitive. That's camp life. Um, but uh, but you get used to it after a while. Like you, you you're like, OK, I have infinite space <laughs> to tell my story and uh eventually you get the hang of it but I was very intimidated at, at first and uh I remember at one point my publisher was just like you just have to start drawing it you really need to stop dilly-dallying with like this or that thing that you think you need to do and you, you just need to start drawing it and um I was very like nervous I was like but when I start drawing it then I'm really have to start drawing <laughs> then it's real. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I just had to start and then, and then it was, then it was off and I had to do it. And then there was just no going back. I liked having like my, my, like 
four panel limitation. I was like, this is my sandbox, but uh, it's not as hard as picture books. Let me tell you that picture books are the hardest thing of all. So what, tell, tell me more about that. Why is that? Anybody who makes picture books will tell you they're the hardest thing of all. And if they say that that's not true, they're lying. So uh, people think that they can make picture books because they is for children. And, um, and uh, th then, then they say that to people and they're like, I think I can make a picture book. And then anyone who makes it is like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know that they can't. <laughs> it, I mean, it seemed to come quite naturally though. I mean, King Baby is such a sweet and fantastic oh, book. I have been, like, I have had so many crash and burns on picture books books that like never happen uh because that's how hard they are and i talked to my friends and i won't name names because they're all geniuses um but like people whose work i love and and we're all just like we're all like misery we're all like oh this book is killing me <laughs> just 32 pages but my god just 32 pages. somehow somehow picture books are the worst they're the hardest thing of all and like, we're all like, we're all like, I'd rather make graphic novels, even though I, nobody actually wants to make graphic novels because they're, they take like a million years and then people read them in one day and they're like, done. <laughs> <laughs> and they make like the same amount of money. Uh, <laughs> and it, theoretically you can like make a picture book in like less time, except that picture books are way harder. I don't know. It's funny, man. I it it doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be that picture books are that hard, but but they are somehow because they are because you care about them. Like you want them to be good, and uh, and then you read like like you're reading picture books to your kids at night, and you're like, why are so many of these so bad? <laughs> and and uh, and then you look at yours, and you're like, mine's bad. <laughs> do uh, yeah. does do your kids like yours? I don't, re I'm sick of mine. And, and so I don't read mine to my kids. Oh, I'm like totally, totally sick of them. They like pick them out and I'm like, put that back. <laughs> <laughs> By the time it comes out, you're like, I'm so done with this. I'm done with this. Maybe my husband reads mine to my kids. I'm like, I'm done. But my kids will like pick out like ones that, that I'm like, this is a name. And my kids are like, I love this. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> There's no accounting for kid taste. No, that's the worst thing. They're like, this book won all the awards. And my, my daughter will be like, the end. <laughs> like as soon as you open it and she slam it shut and be like, you and she's like, I want to read this one about like Princess Poo Poo. And you're like, <laughs> heck. <laughs> I say that and I wrote a book called Princess and the Pony. So I can't. Yeah, you're, you've, you've earned your stripes. You're allowed. Thanks. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but then you know how hard it is to write any picture book at all. So you're like, even the ones that you're like, I don't like this. You're like, this person slaved on this book that I hate. So uh, <laughs> more power to them. They got it out there. They published it. Good for them. Absolutely. I have a lot of traditions that for myself associated, associated with Christmas. And one of them is to go back and read all of your Christmas oh. comics. I love them so much. Um, and, you know, I feel like I know your family a little bit through oh. those because they're so sweet. And then it was fun to see them in ducks because, of course, I remembered them 
yeah. rendered in your quick sketch style versus yeah. what you've got in the book. Um, did, yeah. did doing those help give you some confidence for starting your memoiring? I think so. Yeah, because people are used to seeing like some people are some commentators who are like um, they've only read like my collected books or something like that they're like this will be a change of pace for people like they won't expect a memoir and I was like everybody knows I make auto bio comics every <laughs> don't they people have been seeing me do this for ages um so uh so I had to remind myself that like not everybody actually reads my twitter <laughs> <laughs> but people who have been following my work have seen me do auto bio for a long time so I, I didn't think that, that it would be such a giant leap for them even though it's a it's a serious book because I've been drawing myself and my family and everything for a, for a really long time and uh through ups and downs too not even like you know not not always in the good times either so um so it's uh uh so I I didn't feel uncomfortable at all bringing this book to to uh bringing this book out in 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 any of its themes and um uh, and my my family, to give them great credit, have always been very supportive, you know, uh, have never complained and only in joking ways to give me grief about, you know, what I'm doing. <laughs> they haven't uh, um, uh, they haven't yet disowned me, even though I dropped pictures of them and I, I put them on the Internet. And um, uh, and my parents, especially who I draw the most, are uh, are lovely and proud. And I my dad calls me every morning, and then immediately gives the phone to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Classic dad move. And I'm like, you call me, and he's like, here I'm busy. Talk to your mom. <laughs> and then he hands it to mom and said, here it's your favorite daughter, and she doesn't know who it is. <laughs> Classic joke. It's a really good joke. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but they uh they're great. And um I can't thank them enough for um for how wonderful they've been and um and how uh how giving they've been, honestly. It's it's generous to let somebody do that, to 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 let somebody just draw you and 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 put it out there and uh and like not complain well i mean i would also say that it's a generous act to perceive someone and you know put them on a page too so i feel like that is also an act of generosity i guess we're you know we we're a regular family we we argue about shit all the time uh, <laughs> you know we're and i don't uh uh <laughs> there's all that but we we love each other very much and and i'm i'm always you know when i'm drawing when i'm drawing those family comics i'm usually trying to capture you know um love love because for the longest time um i wasn't here and i only got to see them sometimes um and so i, I was really sort of like trying to capture who we were together because we were apart for so long. Mm. How did they react to the book? Were you nervous to give it to them? This, this very raw thing? I was, I was nervous. My mom cried. Um, she cried and she got mad 
uh, she was, you know, she said she didn't want to read it any more than one time. And, um, and she, she had a lot of blame for herself. You know, if only we had had more money and you didn't have to go there, that kind of thing. She often does that kind of thing. You know, she, she takes, a, she takes, she takes it on herself. You know, if only we had done things differently and then this wouldn't have happened. That's her personality. And, um, and, and you have to say like, you know, no, you, I, that's not a road to go down. And, and this is a woman who, who literally did everything she could for us. If, if there was something that could be done, she did it and, and went without so many things to raise her kids. And, um, and, and, and had so much love for her children. And, and I hate it when she does that, to be honest. Obviously I hate it when she does that. Um, but, and she was mad at the, at the men in the book, you know, she's like, who do they think they were? Who did they think they were? So, so it bothers her. It bothers her. Um, but she read it and my dad did not read it. And, but I told him what was in it. And, um, I had to tell him about the, uh, the scenes, the worst scenes, the scenes of sexual assault and, uh, and, um, Nobody wants to have that conversation with their father. But I had to, I had to tell him um, because the book was going to come out. Right. Someone else might. And he didn't like hearing it, but he knew why it had to be in there. Uh, my dad is very, uh, for lack of a better term, woke. Uh, he's a woke dad. He's, uh, he's very progressive and very, um, politically very left and uh um and I'm proud of of his responses to things in the news and everything like that you know he's um he, he knew why it had to be in there and and was very supportive of it he's a very good dad uh we'll never speak of it again mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, but we did that one time right that sounds extremely um emotional yeah yeah he's not an emotional man so there was very little emotion in the but but you know we immediately switched gears to be like and then you know politics. Right. uh but uh but we did we did have to talk about it so we did and he's, he's never gonna read the book right i was talking about this a little bit before the book juxtaposes these contradictions. And one of my absolute favorite moments in the book is uh, your angrily cleaning tools that have been left out in the cold. And then yep. you head outside and see the northern lights and it's so beautiful. And you wouldn't have necessarily seen those if there wasn't, if you hadn't been cleaning the tools. Yeah. yeah. The day shift at the tool crib left early or was not there or something. And so the tools that were returned were just left in buckets outside in the snow. So the oil, the sort of bitumen that was on them was frozen on. So I had to clean it. I had to get degreaser, like, like just cans and cans of degreaser to get it off, but it was all frozen on. And, and like, it was all like, it was a real job to get it off because my tool crib was only heated by a space heater. So 
it was fucking freezing and and the tools themselves were frozen like the, these were metal tools so they were they were frozen solid too so you like not only are you, you have to clean these tools but like they're frozen metal and i was frozen that night it was like minus 50 and that was my job and um i don't know why they couldn't heat that place better than just this tiny ass thing but i remember being cuddled up next to it and like with my hands were so cold because of holding these metal tools and trying to like clean them and it being so cold in there and you had to go outside to go to the bathroom too because there were these like porta potties mm -hmm. and uh and it was like a shutdown shift which like which is like an overtime shift where they're cleaning they were cleaning a gigantic like uh digger excavator thing and uh or cleaning uh repairing repairing when it was broken so they were doing 24-hour shifts to clean this thing or clean i say clean i was cleaning they were fixing but almost nobody was there and yeah and it was the first time i saw the northern lights uh i walked outside of to get another bucket of tools and there and they were there and um and it was stunning because i had never seen them before although it was like the most miserable it was one one of the most miserable nights I ever spent on on the night shift there, and uh, and one of the most spectacular things that I had ever seen. So I tried to put that in the book. I tried to represent that in the book as best I could. It, it just it does seem like there every now and then, life throws you a little a little bone for your for your sometimes. troubles. Sometimes. sometimes, yeah, sometimes I hate being cold. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever see yourself returning to the literary, historical, sort of webcomic-esque sort of world that you conquered so thoroughly with Harka Vagrant? I don't, I mean, maybe sometime, not right now. I feel like uh, the next thing I would try to do is probably uh, fiction, like comics fiction. I think that would be a nice change. I'm looking for different things to do. Um, and, uh, and I'm living at home now, so I'm, I've got these stories that are sort of on my mind from being here mm -hmm. that, that are uh, themes that, that like, that feel very present to me. Um, and, and, um, from having like, you know, being the age that I am and, and from like being interested in different things. And, uh, um, so I've got different things on my mind. Well, I am excited to see whatever comes next for you. And I am also so pleased that you recommended this other novel about extreme working conditions cool. and, and cold. <laughs> um, Michelle Paver's Dark Matter. What, what mm -hmm. made you recommend this book to me? Well, I, well, it's the spooky season, right? And you were looking for, for books. And I, this is one of my favorite seasons. I love scary stories mm -hmm. and um and i love them at this time of year especially and uh i love ghost stories and i don't i don't always like horror books that are like that are like always like like super like psychological horror or like like i don't know like uh like uh gory and oh, i don't you know like uh i want like a ghost that's like a ghost you know what i mean yeah <laughs> I want like a haunted house. I want like a regular, like, you know, like a classic ass ghost story. Mm -hmm. And, 
And this is this one was recommended and I read it. And I was like, this is what exactly what I was looking for. It's got like footsteps in the night and like and it's a, it's you know, it's terrifying. And and I found that like she's so you know, the the atmosphere is so like deeply real. Mm-hmm. And like I read it actually in the summertime, but I felt cold. And uh and I was like, damn. <laughs> I'm scared reading this. And, and when that's when you, that's when it's the good shit. When you're like, you're, you're, you know, you're like, mm. <laughs> I totally know what you mean. I was, I, I listened to this actually at Jeremy. Yeah, Northam, me too. I listened to it as well. Jeremy Northam reads it and is absolutely incredible. It's a performance. It's not it just is. reading. I agree. I agree. And I, I often have to listen to books cause I, I like, uh, um, cause I have children and uh and i don't get like a lot of time to read but like sometimes like i like my me time is going for a walk or something and that's when i like listen to a book or like when i'm putting them down to bed and i have to lay with them i have to like i put my headphones on and i listen because i'm just laying there with like, the baby <laughs> going in, which is like a weird time to listen to like a horror book <laughs> just, <laughs> like you're just holding a baby yeah holding a baby uh but like it, it's like it's like the time where like like there's a sustained amount of time where like you're by yourself i guess in a sense um but anyway i listen to it as well and uh and it's good and it and like it goes places where you don't necessarily think and um uh but i i really liked it and like uh um so so do you talk about what it's about or do you yeah like... i was just about to yeah all right so like it's a it's like set it's also historical, which I obviously is like right up my alley. Uh, so it's set in like it's the thirties. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a group of these English, like they, they're, they're like self-styled explorers from like a geographical society <laughs> and they go to like, is it Norway or Sweden? It's Norway. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Like our, it's been a while since I read it. Um, and they go up to like the Arctic circle, basically in Norway. And, uh, and they're, they're setting up like this geographical, like, um, like survey station where they're going to stay for the winter and they, they pick a spot and everyone's like, not that spot, which is like, that's, yeah. that's what you're supposed to listen. Like the captain of the ship is like, mm, he's got a pipe and he's like, I don't think so. <laughs> and they're all like, boop, 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 boop. we're going to go anyway. Yeah. Uh, and it's through the eyes of the character who's like, uh, he, he doesn't feel like he fits in with the rest of them and he doesn't really know like himself very well and uh um like he he's got like gripes with everybody but it's also like a fulfillment of a dream because he yes. was a he's like a, a clerk and he's yes. in a dead-end job and he's like i want to do something with this wireless right. yeah. Uh, yeah knowledge yeah, yeah. and, and he, so he's so excited yes and he and he and he like but he when i say he like it is like like there are people there who think they're better than him he's like i'll show them and like but and he's like and i really want this one guy to like me and uh uh and like that's kind of sweet and and like there's more to that story anyway uh like they're they're beset by setbacks and and things that happen where you're like something's going on here Mm-hmm. And, and like, there's like shadowy figures and, and like the footsteps and like the noises and the dogs are like, what's happening? <laughs> and, uh, and of course it's the Arctic in the winter. So like the darkness is setting in and like the sun is getting lower and it's like getting darker and darker. And like their, their contact with the outside world is like, it, it like the, they are alone out there. And, uh, and when like Michelle Paver describes like 
how dark, how cold, like the way that she, she describes it, you're like, I feel cold. I feel alone. Like it's very, it's so very well done. And um, you feel like you're in this cabin with this guy doing his like weird wireless stuff. And that like the, it sounds, she really did her research. I feel like from everything from like what they were eating to what they were wearing to like the exercises you have to do to keep from freezing or from losing your mind out in the Arctic. I feel like she, she really knows what's going on in the 1930s for geographical explorers. <laughs> right. I mean, she, she gave a real memorable description of what pemmican is and how pemmican. they cook it. And it's just yeah. like, I, of course I've, as a reader, yeah. you've been, you've uh, encountered pemmican and know what it is, but she really went yeah. into it. I feel like I know yeah. it much better. Yeah. And at one point, like he gets to eat something other than pemmican and you're like, oh my God, you're like, you're like drooling. You're like, yum. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and, and, but it's like the buildup to like, like the, the, the scary business is very terrifying. And, uh, if somebody's looking for like a ghost story right now, I feel like this is very good. Oh yeah. And, uh, and it is it is your Halloween read. Uh, it's not even that long. I was like, I wish it was longer because I I want it. But but like it's like a Halloween snack read. Good, very good. Read it. It's, and be it's a diary novel, um, which I also yes, like. Oh yes, kind of like kind of like Dracula, right? Like that's a classic. Like for a while, the best parts of Dracula are the diary bits. I find. I found. Absolutely. I my one of my abs uh there is sweetness in this and I think that you need that's it's almost my favorite part of all horror anything is to see like what are they what are they gonna do to make me feel like they lost something? Um Yes, and, yes, and, that too. That too. I, I don't want to spoil the sweetness because you gotta like you gotta get in there and but like this this clerk like that like the the tenderness that he feels towards a character is like it's like the the heart of the novel in a lot mm -hmm. of ways and um and and that's where they get you <laughs> there's also a good thread that i really love where on on the journey he's like Ugh, dogs forget yes! him <laughs> i was going to say dogs too he's like i hate dogs but then of course the dogs are like no, you don't. <laughs> dogs <I'm> know. <laughs> dogs know that you don't hate dogs. Yeah, he's like, it's like, it's like Tom Hanks with Wilson. He's like <laughs> stuck on the island with the volleyball, and then the volleyball is his best friend. So this guy's stuck in the north with only like the dogs, and then he's like, and and like, there's lots of very vivid descriptions about being really close to a dog too. <laughs> mm. I love a dog book. Any dog book. Yeah, and, the dog. And then you're very worried about the dogs because you know there's like this murderous ghost around, and you're like, stay the fuck away from those dogs. If anything <laughs> happens to the dog, I will throw this book out the window. But and, and I did worried. feel, I did feel like it had some sort of some some thematic connections with your with your book. Um, I yes. mean, there's no ghost. Yeah, when we're talking about like being stuck in the cold, I'm like, I'm like, obviously that's a horror story for me. <laughs> stuck in the cold. <laughs> I'm like, this is scary. <laughs> I had a, a a moment where I was I was in Southern California while I was listening to this and um walking my own dog at oh, night. Yeah. And um when the last light goes, like their last minute of sunlight for yeah, many months, all the dogs yeah. start barking. 
and yeah. reacting to the fact. And in where in Southern California, there's a lot of coyotes. And I was walking the dog at night mm -hmm. and somehow they started howling and yipping along mm -hmm. with my audiobook when no. when the no. um, when the twilight the last twilight it was one of these very spooky moments where i was like did they put dogs barking in this no, no. there's just my coyotes house. oh my god it was a great Whoa. moment of That's the universe being like you're not scared yet let me scare you scare you yes i know there's lots of coyotes around where i live too coyotes and like owls and stuff so um uh i am no stranger to like reading something and being like wait a minute and like oh no <laughs> it was an absolutely fantastic and scary but not like terrifying like you're going to be able to sleep at night when you're yes yeah 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 i know it's not one of those ones that get under you and really make you uncomfortable for a long time it's it's a really good yeah yeah I just want, I like, I like books that I like about like, it's a ghost. It's a real ghost, you know? And, um, and that's what I wanted. And, and those are kind of rare actually. Like usually like people are like this horror book, it's about like, like, like a psycho. <laughs> exactly. Or like, uh, you know, something that isn't, I'm just like, no, I want like a, I want like a specter. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I want a haunted house. Um, and those are harder to find. They are harder to find, but you, this, you know, it's out there. You, it's been found, found by Kate Beaton and, and sent That's to right. the world. Michelle Paver's Dark Matter. Um, have you read her other work? Is, is it like this? Yeah, actually she wrote another one called Thin Air, which is, which is very similar. It's about an expedition to the Himalayas in like the, the same time. And there's a ghost. <laughs> And you're like, it, it's actually, I like, I like dark matter better. And, um, uh, but like, um, and a lot of people reading it and be like, this is just like the other one. And, but I was like, that's fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, hey, if you sure. find your, find your alley, that's stay in it. Mean. Yeah. She's like, she's like a group of men in the thirties going to cold places. <laughs> and there's a ghost. <laughs> Look, if, if that's, if you, if your research didn't bear out for, for, for one book keep using it oh, totally the next one she's like and then the antarctica <laughs> <laughs> and now underwater no <laughs> yeah. old and there's a ghost um <laughs> sounds good to me sounds great to me <laughs> well obviously we are both highly recommending dark matter but do you have any other recommendations for the so many damn books listeners Sure. Actually, you know, I just got um, uh, I just got nominated for uh, the uh, Andrew Carnegie Medal, uh, which is a cool thing. But like, the, it's the thing they announced at ALA. But I also got nominated. Congratulations! With... Well, thank you, thank you. This is not a plug for me, but I uh, I had recently read this other one, this other comic that I got nominated with, Emma Gross, the Third Person, um, which is a really good comic. Uh, and it's a long one. It's a good one. Um, it deals with like multiple personalities and, uh, uh, and being like trans and, and like, um, uh, it's a, it's a memoir, but like how Emma handles like going in and out of different personalities is really cool. Very interesting and very well done. 
and um, uh, I mean, I, I forget the name of the actual disorder. I'm saying multiple personalities, but I know it's, that's not the name of the, the thing. Um, but uh, I know that that she's been on tour like with it and stuff, but I haven't, I've never met her, but like, I see that she's on tour with her right now because it just came out, but like very well acclaimed and um, um, a really interesting book because uh, um, it's just uh, like, I can see like the accolades and stuff coming in and I, and when you read it, you'll, you'll see why. So the third person by Emma Grove, really good. It sounds great. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to recommend a novel that was uh, put in front of me by TikTok, actually, uh, for it was in someone's list of for if you miss the secret history, which, of course, if you've read the secret mm -hmm. history, and you've loved it, you're always looking for that hit and publishers know that too, because they keep saying like, for fans of the secret history. Um, but this was the, one of the very first books that was re recommended if you like secret history that I actually felt like, oh, yeah, this, this is this is very similar, but also different and um, exciting. And it's called If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio. And instead of classics students, you're following Shakespeare students in a very, in their last year in this very um, sort of gothic uh, setting in, in a college. And, you know, you're watching as they, um, they put on a few different, Shakespeare shows, but it's a, uh, it's very, yeah. I, I, you, I, it was one of these, I uh, listened to it as well. And it was one of these that I really didn't want to stop listening to and kept finding more excuses to be putting on headphones. So um, if you're a look, if you are a secret history by Donna Tart super fan, um, this will scratch that itch for you until Donna announces her next book, which should be soon. You know, we, it's I been, I've never read any Donna Tartt. Maybe I should do that. Yeah, I think the secret history. I I recommend it. Yeah. And yeah. this and this. and this. If we were villains too, if you're, and but I I recommend the secret history first. <laughs> and I'm also going to highly highly recommend Ducks Two Years in the Oil Sands. I absolutely loved it. It was completely unexpected, and but I just. I, I was completely connected and stayed with it the whole time. Um, you know, I did read it very in, in one long day. I kept, uh, okay. it's great, <laughs> but, okay. I, but it also means I reread it. So that's great. Um, don't worry about it. It's a horror <laughs> book <it's> called. <laughs> well, thank you so much for hanging out with me on so many damn books. It's been, it's been a pleasure. And to the people out in uh, listener land, please go and uh, support the show on patreon.com slash smdb. And while you're there, Kate also has a Patreon that you can support. Um, and there are, of course, when you review the show on iTunes, nothing makes me happier than a new review. So please go and do that. It helps me out immensely. Nice. And that's that. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.